listening to the place for biblical end times truth, The Remnant Report. I am your host, The Remnant Warrior. Here, we are dedicated to equipping the remnant for the tribulation that must shortly come to pass, as well as reaching the lost at any cost. The time is near for us to not love our lives even unto Whether they understand it is that or not. 
And then unfortunately, Steve, the other side of it is those who are allowing this to happen simply by not opposing it or dialoguing about it, i.e. mostly the organized church, where the issues, the ethics, the bioethics, it's, it's left to a handful of people like me and you right now that are out there, the watchmen on the, 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 the wall. I guess it's always been that way, though, huh, when you have a prophetic spirit. Um, you know, you stand up and you, and you declare what's happening. And I can tell you that ever since the book of Pollyon Rising came out, two different things that the whole world, as far as I know, that contacts me wants to talk about. One, uh, in the earliest uh, days when that book came out was the year 2012 and the extra-Mesoamerican cultures that fixated on it. You and I already did shows on that. In fact, you were the first one to do shows with me on that. And the second subject is this uh, 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 transhumanism and how it appears, at least in my belief system, to be the billion-pound elephant that's standing in the middle of prophecy circles right now that the lion's share of critical Christian thinkers don't seem to be recognizing, or very few of them are waking up to it. For instance, um, this year's H-plus summit, Humanity Plus is another name for transhumanism, uh, in case anybody in the audience doesn't know that, uh, was hosted just uh, by Harvard University Science Center in Cambridge, Massachusetts ended just last week, June 13th, or a week and a half ago. This was a two-day event that uh, explored how humanity is going to be radically changed by technology in the near future. And so you had speakers like Mr. Singularity himself, Ray Kurzweil, uh, talking about how technology is going to be used soon to modify our bodies, our minds, our lives, our world. He was joined by scientists, philosophers, uh, legal scholars, bioethicists, all who merged on campus uh, to discuss, you know, start educating the world, if you will, about how in recent years, astonishing technological development is now pushing the frontier of humanity towards these far-reaching morphological transformations that are in the very near future going to redefine what it means uh, to be a human. Now, I said a moment ago that the, the transhumanists are, are supported now by um, an equally impressive list of U.S. military advisors, bioethicists and law professors and academics, who also now see the use of genetics, uh, robotics, grand technologies as tools that are going to radically redesign what it means to be human, minds, physiology, offspring, and Steve, even perhaps as Joel Guru in his best-selling book, Radical Evolution, is now claiming our very souls. And it's, a, it's interesting now, as you're following what's happening within uh, transhumanist camps, that it's taking on a very, very spiritual theme to it, even to the point that now that many of them are talking about how they want to make contact with the other world. Uh, and maybe we can talk about that dimension of it later, but unfortunately for these utopians um, and for mankind, the cultural shift that's now underway also, according to some transhumanist writers, uh, actually forecasts a for future that's not only going to be dominated by a new species of unrecognizably superior humans, superior humans, fathomable war. And they're defining it as both physical and spiritual. And in fact, when you read their writings, it sounds very much like these agnostic transhumans are describing the end of the Bible. They're describing Armageddon. And this is something that I don't think, the, the first of all, the, the majority of the world isn't even aware of how this is a new arms race now, but secondly, they're totally not prepared for what it implies and for what is uh, coming. Let me, let me make a statement about this war. This isn't just going to be fought on land, uh, air and sea, but it's going to be fought in dimensions that are not even yet uh, comprehensible. Even now, there are synthetic forces that are going to plot, or already are, the wholesale annihilation of mankind. This is, these are under design right now in leading laboratories, public and private, funded by the most advanced nations on Earth, including the official governments of the United States, France, Britain, Austria, China, to name a few, um, who as a result of nanotechnology, neurotechnology, germline engineering, uh, molecular scale, engineering, and those various related fields of science, any time now, believe, singularity is going to occur, 
on strong artificial intelligence, or what Hugo de Garris calls artelex, which is a word of his own making, it means artificial intellect, artelex, are going to emerge, and overnight we are going to have godlike, massively intelligent machines that are trillions of trillions of times faster and smarter than humans, and whose, ruse, uh, whose rise, according to Hugo de Garris, is going to prove profoundly disrupted to human culture, not just in the sense it's going to lead to a, a division between the philosophical and ideological and maybe even religious and political groups who either support the, this new form of life or oppose it, uh, but he believes that it is going to emerge uh, possibly as such a human threat that it is going to lead to the death of literally billions, billions of Americans, uh, of, of uh, humans, before the end of the 21st century. But be that what it is, what, what is astonishing to me is that it is also now transhumanists and some of the people within their own camp that are taking a dystopian view of the future. These are people, you know, that started out talking about how they're going to become their own Ubermans. They're going to become Superman. They're going to become whatever. And some of them now are looking at their own technology as it is advancing, and they're being honest with where some of this technology could go. And the amazing thing is they may not refer to it as Armageddon or the rise of the Nephilim or whatever, but they're using, ex they're saying exactly the same thing, and that's the startling thing, is that you have a few prophetic voices like yours that are out there that are engaging these issues, and now you've got a rising segment within the, within both the military and the transhumanist uh, camps that are saying the same thing in different language. Somewhere the church is lost in the middle, and, and my only hope is that by doing these kind of shows, we reach as many as can be reached, wake up as many as can be woke up, because the day is coming when people had sure better know who they are in Christ, or they will not be able to stand against the forces that are coming. And you know, Steve, not to, to you know, you get the old preacher started in me, I was thinking the other day, when we're talking about the days of Noah, uh, we always, and we should, uh, discuss what happened during the days of Noah, the rise of the Nephilim, the watchers, but there was another sign of the days of Noah that could be a fulfillment of Matthew 24, too, and that is that God's covenant people, those who were imbued with his power, this was also a sign of the days of Noah, that they stood up to the Nephilim and they won. They overcame them with supernatural power. David slew Goliath. David, too, had mighty men. And, 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 and God's covenant people, filled with his Holy Spirit, were the only power on earth that could stand and uh, be victorious, and isn't it amazing that this is exactly what how the church is described? The true, true body of Christ is in this generation, as in other generations, the only power on earth against which the gates of hell cannot prevail. So it's my hope that enough people will uh, listen to what we're talking about. They'll learn at least the basic information about what is emerging. In, in forbidden science and technology and also the prophetic aspects of it, and that they'll learn how to stand uh, and, full of the Holy Spirit, take their position in God, because they may have to do that in ways that haven't been seen since David slew Goliath. Um, but, but back to, let me just tell you one other thing about Hugo de Garris, and then we can move on. Uh, I don't know if you've read his book, The Artelect War. Cosmos. Well, Hugo de Garris, he's the director of the Artificial Brain Lab at Zion University in China. He's quoted by uh, Ray Kurzweil and all these other people that are working towards singularity. But Hugo specifically is actually an artificial brain uh, builder. He's worked for government laboratories, private laboratories. He's quite famous uh, in this field. But he wrote a book. He wrote a book called The Artelect War, Cosmos versus Terrans, a bitter controversy concerning whether humanity should build godlike, massively intelligent machines. Uh, that's the title of his book. It's a long title. He wrote the book because he believes that uh, unfolding due to exponential growth and development this century and grim technologies, that at any moment now, uh, the, the, the right lab, his lab, another one, they're going to make the, the break to singularity and artificial intelligence is going to come online, and he believes it's going to not only lead to machines of godlike intelligence, but it's going to split humanity into two political groups, 
which is real interesting because when you read it, it sounds like the verses that are against humans and those who are for uh, preserving humanity. It sounds just like the demonic warfare that will happen uh, as prophesied in the Bible. Daguerreus, uh, he describes the two groups on Earth uh, as the cosmos and the Terrans, the human group that's in favor of the, uh, the plan of the Ardalax. And we don't have time to go into all this detail, but the plan of the Ardalax um, to create superhumans and also to move out into the cosmos, he calls them cosmos. And uh, to them, the, 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 the plan of the Ardalex be, really becomes their own religion. Uh, they see it as a deity. They see it as an artificial god. But the second human group that's uh, opposed to the plan of the Ardalex, he calls those the Terrans, Terra of the Earth, terrestrial. And, and these are those who are going to argue that allowing the cosmos to build Ardalex will also imply accepting the risk that one day the Ardalex might decide that the human species is a pest. And since the Ardalex are so vastly superior to human beings in intelligence, it'd be very easy for them to exterminate the human species. Therefore, to the Terrans, the cosmos are worse than the regimes of Hitler or Stalin or Mao or any other regime that murdered tens of millions of people in the 20th century because this time, we're talking about the potential annihilation of the entire human species, billions of people. Well, he believes that singularity is overnight going to set in motion what within just a few years is actually going to result in World War III, except this time uh, it's, a, it's a fight for the preservation of humanity. And interestingly, he also, now he goes on in his book, I'll say this and get past him, but he goes on in his book uh, to talk about how the, the building the artifacts is proceeding nonetheless, and he talks about this, this, this quiet, dark uh, something that is in him that's pushing him to make these breakthroughs and, and to lead to the creation of artifacts. And as a result, he talks about how he goes, and he's not a Christian, by the way, he goes to bed at night thinking about his godlike synthetic intelligence and the breakthrough that's right at hand, and uh, he said he becomes enraptured of it. Uh, it's like a religious experience for him. But then he says he'll fall asleep, and he'll wake up in a cold sweat, jolted from bed in a horrific dream in which he's seen vivid scenes of, 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 of his descendants and all of humanity slaughtered at the hands of the artificial deities. Um, now, What's, what's interesting is that he has put pen to paper, and he has, as a transhumanist, he calls himself a cosmist, but there really is no functional difference between a cosmist and a transhuman, um, is, that, is that what he has described on paper, uh, other research scientists are also saying the same thing, and they too kind of describe how that something is pushing them, uh, motivating them to feverishly work toward what soon could become this nightmarish predicament that mankind is not going to survive. Well, Steve, I think you and I would know what's behind that, what's pushing them that they can't quite put their finger on uh, to, to bring about... Well, absolutely. I think, I think, yeah, I think it's a, a, important for people to understand, too, that obviously, if you read the Book of Enoch and some of the other extra-biblical texts that you and I have tried to share with people that are a phenomenal source of of data and background, the thing that most people lose track of is is that the the binding of a supra supernatural intelligence in the different uh, angels that have been locked up, fallen angels, and the demons, the disembodied spirits. We're talking about the outpicturing of their former characters being, if you will, superimposed on a human. That's what obviously Daguerreus is dealing with right now. He's dealing with the eternal struggle of good and evil within himself, and it's almost like the hand of God is showing him where he's going to lead. But, you know, it's interesting because one of the neatest things about comparing Christianity to uh, the way the devil works, the good shepherd still leads the sheep, but the butcher always drives the uh, game to slaughter. And I think that, you know, the, the illustration you're giving, Tom, is, is the absolute most simplistic picture of the difference between the love of God and the hatred of the devil for humanity. And look, this is the same thing that was in the Terminator movies. James Cameron understands it perfectly. James Cameron, obviously the producer of Avatar, director of Avatar, the point that, that is being made is Skynet becomes the very thing 
that you're talking about right now. And that's, well, see, it's like, it's like the world of the intelligence, uh, well, I use that, or lack of intelligence agencies, mm-hmm. have, have fed to Hollywood all of their plans. And now when we see, and we'll get to it later, splice and that whole technology, the point is, is that we have right now everything that God has bound and David and his mighty men fought and Joshua and Caleb fought and the giants dispersed throughout the earth and when they died, those spirits became demons upon the earth. Book of Enoch says that. Book of Giants says that. The point is, is that now we're dealing with, if you will, a, a, a complex uh, uh, singularity in, in a, what I would call a composite hybrid and that is absolutely going to make war against the people of God and the inhabitants of Earth to such a degree. And DARPA, DARPA, the Defense Advanced Research Project Agency, man, their super soldier program that's been in effect for so long. Uh, if we get a chance, I'll tell you about the island of Dr. Moreau and someone I know personally who, who, who was in that, that sort of lab, and this is almost 40 years ago. So the point is, is that this is ready to spring, to launch, to be thrust into us, almost as you say, overnight, and I believe it's going to literally come that fast. And if, if people don't understand singularity, if they don't understand transhumanism, I'll try, you know, we can basically bottom line it and work backwards. It's the destruction of humanity and the introduction of its and things that will make war against God, believing they can prevail, but they won't. That's right. Well, singularity is going to solve any remaining problem that yet stand in the way. And I think, frankly, uh, God has simply gave, given us a grace period over a period of time. He has kept the minds of men like Hugo de Garrison and Kurzweil and others that are uh, experts in, in um, artificial intelligence. He has kept their minds from being able to put their fingers on what some of the final res- res- resolution will be to give the church time to respond to this. The church hasn't responded. There was articles out today, again, talking about how most uh, teenagers today, because they've watched their parents over the last 20 years, they don't even know what the gospel is anymore. They're deists, and they just think that there's some abstract God out there somewhere who's really, uh, one of the descriptions was he's kind of a, uh, a chauffeur, if you will. He just kind of comes around once in a while with a little, uh, you know, a little uh, napkin draped over his arm and, and serves them and helps them be happy and all that. They, they don't, they're clueless about um, true doctrine. But singularity at any moment is going to, is going to I think, uh, be perfected. Uh, we're going to hit that moment in time where what uh, uh, Gary Sermon describes as the diminishing presence of the Holy Spirit on earth right now. It's, it's a moment in time where it's going to allow for this presence to push through. And in the blink of an enhanced eye, uh, that most of humanity is going to be r- reduced to the status of a domestic animal in the minds of this artificial intelligence. This, this, people, uh, for those that don't understand what singularity means, um, it's just simply that future moment that many futurists and tech experts believe is imminent uh, that gives birth overnight to some version of the artifacts, the artificial intelligence, who suddenly come online as conscious, living, synthetic Superminds that are immensely more powerful uh, than humans. You, you might be familiar, in fact, I'm sure you are, Steve, how in the 90s uh, there was critical thinking about the timing of the singularity from a military aspect uh, and the emergence of strong artificial intelligence, and it led um, San Diego uh, State University professor, computer scientist, uh, Werner Venge, uh, and his often quoted and now famous lecture, The Coming Technological Singularity, which he delivered at Vision 21 Symposium, which had been sponsored by NASA Lewis Research Center, Ohio Aerospace uh, Institute, all these places. Well, he went there, and he said that uh, soon, soon, we will have the technological means of creating superintelligence, and what was interesting is here again. Listen to a man who's a scientist, a secularist, as far as I know, he has no religious persuasion, but he sounds so apocalyptic. He says, we will soon give birth to superhuman intelligence. In the very next sentence, he says, shortly thereafter, the human era will be ended. <laughs> so it's just so, uh, it's so apocalyptic. Now, and, and I, I kind of think that this might be the way singularity uh, actually occurs, because we're learning more and more about the neural processes, how to decode 
the brain's secret language and put it into computer code and then reinterpret it. And we've made gigantic headway on that. But there's, but there's something a little different about human nature and conscience. And philosophers, you know, they've been going on and on and on about, okay, maybe we can get artificial intelligence, but how does it become truly conscious, as in almost as if it has a synthetic soul? Well, when you look at the cyborgists, now I'm talking about people like Kevin Warwick, the professor, you know, of cybernetics at Reading University in England, Mr. Cyborg himself. Yes. He, he endorsed uh, Hugo de Garris's work. Um, but he doesn't believe the human era will end so much as uh, it will be assimilated. Ladies and gentlemen, to survive the thrive, my very special guest, Tom Horn, we're talking about transhumanism and genetic Armageddon. Go ahead, Tom, I'm sorry, we won't be uh, have any breaks for the next hour. That's fine. I was just going to make the additional point when we're talking about singularity. You know, some people like uh, Kurzweil and like, and like that see singularity is occurring perhaps as kind of a freestanding um, artificial intelligence, a machine, if you will. But then there's another camp, uh, they just simply call themselves cyborgists. Kevin Warwick, who I mentioned before we went to the commercial break, is certainly uh, one of the most well-known, if not the uh, most well-known, he's a professor of cybernetics in England. Um, but he believes that the human era isn't so much going to end as a result of singularity as be assimilated like the Borg in Star Trek. Uh, with machine intelligence. Yeah, where, uh, yes, where, where technological, and I, I, I think purely from the scientific point of view, because of this debate about how will machine intelligence uh, achieve consciousness, I believe that, 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 that when you're looking at cyborgization, where it is the merging of the computer capacity, the teraflops, the, the amazing speed of computer technology, but where it's actually joined to uh, a, uh, um, a human brain, not a freestanding machine, but inside human cyborgs, where you have human-machine integration is realized, uh, enhanced biology recombined to include living brains that are cybernetic, machine-readable, interface with uh, artificial neural networks where transhumans with amplified intelligence become so completely superior to their biological counterparts, normal humans, um, as to become literally incomprehensible. Ultimately, the post-human incarnation of the artilects that Hugo de Garras and others like him uh, are working so hard to create. So to cyborgists and transhumans in, in general, actually, What's called brain-machine interfacing, BMI technology, is one of several of these sciences, dozens actually of these sciences, sciences that are under uh, employment now towards a post-human future. But the truth is, nothing less than the wholesale redesign of human biology itself is actually the big picture. That's why I think the cyborgists are more in line, because it's everything from remanufacturing our mental acuity uh, and adapting it to be machine-readable, changing our physical dexterity to be able to host it, genetic integration, even with other life forms, which therefore also then not just provides conscious to these living godlike machines, uh, but perhaps even other modes of perception that the human mind does not have that we can talk about later, where we're integrated with plants and animals, synthetic creations. Uh, in other words, watchers technology, exactly what they did, in order to produce what uh, these transhumanists so warmly refer to as humans 2.0. And as you know, uh, Steve, I've, I've actually uh, personally debated uh, leading transhumanist Dr. James Hughes. Uh, he, was the, the, you know, he was the head of the World Transhumanist Association until it was changed into the IEET, which he's now CEO of the Institute for uh, Ethics and Emerging Technologies. I've also had him on my show recently where we were talking about uh, the, um, the Royal Academy of Science uh, out of the UK talking about, you know, are we alone in the universe? And I wanted to know from a transhumanist point of view, did they think there was anything in Avatar, the movie, uh, that smacked of realism as far as being able to upload our brains and create these bodies that could travel into far distances in space? But I've, I've debated Hughes uh, on his own. Uh, show, Change his syndicated talk show, Change Surfer Radio, and uh, Hughes is an unrepentant transhumanist Buddhist for sure. He's the author of Citizen Cyborg, 
why democratic societies must respond to the redesigned human of the future. Well, you know what? I could almost use the same title, Steve, and say why the church must respond to the redesigned human of the future because, folks, this is coming whether people want it to or not, and it is so close now to being unveiled. I'm not talking about uh, cosmologically close. I mean it is very close now. Uh, it could happen literally at any moment, and I think it carries magnificent prophetic uh, themes around it. We're literally talking about large-scale genetic neurological re-engineering of humanity. And if you go even to Wikipedia and look up transhumanists, it'll say this is the next chapter in evolution, the result of accelerating developments in the fields of genomics, stem cell research, they give you the whole list, uh, and nanotechnology uh, as the next step in human evolution. And for anybody that thinks that this is wishful thinking on the part of the transhumanists, just pick up your newspaper. Get your, get your newest science magazine and start reading. <clears throat> Excuse me, Steve. There was a Reuters article. This was just in 2009, just recently, titled, Scientists Want Debate on Animals with Human Genes. And, Steve, you remember uh, about 24 months ago when they were having the embryology uh, debates in the U.K.? Remember that? Absolutely. Uh, and there were scientists there, you know, because they want public funding. They want, and they don't want to just rely on private funding. They were coming to the government to try to get tax dollars out of the UK so they could do experiments. But their experiments were exotic. They wanted to experiment with splice-like technology, blending humans with animals. And so the government uh, put it forward into a public debate. And if you recall, <coughs> excuse me, uh, even the Vatican had two bishops that showed up and said that if women participate in providing uh, ovum and then later on decide they want to raise this splice baby as their own child, uh, they ought to have the right to do so. These were the most extraordinary conversations. Well, anyway, <coughs> excuse me, those scientists, they're back now. And now they want to know uh, how far the public will allow them to continue going and using public funds. And this news piece, this is a Reuters news article, so we're not talking about weekly world news here. This is a legitimate news article. It starts out, and I'll read it. It starts out, a mouse that can speak, a, mon a monkey with Down's syndrome, dogs with human hands and feet. British scientists want to know if such, exper uh, if such experiments are acceptable, end quote. And if you go in and just Google the article and read it for yourself, you'll find out that it goes on with revelations that scientists inside Britain are comfortable now with up to 50-50 animal-human integration, and more alarmingly, the article implies that not all of the research currently under design is being kept at the embryonic level, which is where most of the people in the public still think the splice technology is being kept at the embryonic level, but it's not. There, there are places now where it's fully mature monstrosities, and as I understand it, you actually even saw the movie Splice, right? Yes, I did. And what was interesting about that, good point to uh, splice it in the conversation, the, the whole basis of it, Tom, is, is a, a woman who is one of the scientists, she has a love interest with the other scientists, are doing secret experiments while being funded by this dark mega corporation that hangs out in the background, okay? And she takes her egg, inserts it into the synthetic uh, life form. The life form grows into kind of like a female uh, it with a tail. The, the female it is actually, obviously, uh, gets uh, involved sexually with the man. And what, what was interesting to me, there was nothing in the dialogue or even the inference that these things would spring, uh, spring and literally uh, sprout, I guess a better word, wings and turn into exact caricatures of what I would call is, even from middle-aged woodcuts, it looks like a fallen angel slash uh, demonic hybrid, okay? Wow. And, I, you know, somebody, by the way, somebody sent me an email today after explaining that on Coast to Coast the other night, saying I ruined the movie for him, and I read him back, a, I wrote him back an email saying, you don't get it, you missed the whole point. It's not that the movie is being ruined, it's that your life is ready to be ruined. I tell people, I've said this for 15 years, when Satan said, ye shall not die, this is what he promises the Illuminati, the New World Order, that they're never going to die. 
that they're basically going to be able to live in their perversion perpetually with attenuated senses, superheroes, super, uh, the ubermensch, the, the very uh, pinnacle of a composite creation, and basically thumb their noses at God and eternal judgment. And I actually had, he's dead now, I actually had uh, one of uh, the intelligence agencies, former top guys tell me about, and, and this guy was as cold as, as, as you know, a, a, I don't want to say it, a mass murderer's heart, yet he, he was brought to tears when he talks about what he's already seen, the animal-human composites, the horrific uh, underground bases, the horrific experimentation. So what, what I'm saying is all of the floater stories, they're all floaters, we're 50 to 100 years beyond that right now because, again, as you said, it, it was the uh, a nephilim that uh, interjected, or if you will, or uh, as they, uh, what they placed themselves into the seed of man to corrupt it, to make, obviously, God's word a lie, and, and it wasn't, but they tried to do that, and now they're doing the same thing, only they're taking it, they're accelerating it, such a, basically this, perpetual life, perpetual downloads, and if people understood, even the pornography industry is putting the vast amounts of money into sex bots, sex bots. You know, and, 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 and you know, you carry those stories on your website. When I first started talking about that and wrote the book Genetic Armageddon, everybody said, ah, that's too far out. No one wants to read about that. Well, I got news for you. That's like literally compared to what you and I are talking about tonight. And I maintain that the, and, and have been told this by people in that world, that they can clone human beings now. They can give them the, uh, you know, the visual uh, uh, abilities of an eagle. They can give them a almost like a, a an ability for spontaneous generational lost limbs. And even DARPA's, you know, experimenting. They broke the story of suspended animation. That was such a a, a minuscule uh, revelation compared to what they can do. So we've got the period now that Jesus spoke about that there would no flesh be left alive. You could say this: the descendants of Adam must disappear. So the descend, or so that the offspring of this technological hellions can come on the scene. And what's happening to Daguerre's and others is they're now coming into the spirit realm where they have been, if you will, agnostics, uh, atheists, but now they're being confronted by the very, and I would say that's the source of their revelation, they're coming face to face with. Yeah, and you know, the whole sexual aspect you mentioned in the Splice film. I haven't seen it. I want to see it. It's just not playing in my area yet. When it does play, I want to go see it, obviously, because the film uh, depicts in in Hollywood style what some of the real science, however, is actually uh, unfolding to be today. And the sexual aspect of it, to me, was interesting purely from both a theological and philosophical point of view, because among what the Watchers did, there was obviously this sexual side of it. And, and sexual deviation, uh, uh, part of what the Watchers did, and also down through time with the Incubus and Succubus, there was, a, there was an allure, if you will. There was something that was tempting about it, uh, because that's partly what demons do. And in the film previews that I've seen for this film, it, it, they make it very seductive, almost, uh, and it's demonic. Because I haven't seen the movie, but they, they make this woman, even though she's very weird looking and her legs are all distorted, she's got a giant tail and her forehead is, is kind of half split. She's part animal, part uh, human. Um, but in, 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 in the depictions that I've seen in the film previews, they make her kind of seductive as well. And I don't know... I don't know if she winds up raping the guy or, or if he just gets allured with her or if she, I don't know what happens. No, no, she, and, and, and I don't care about, you know, the thing is, this is too important. Yes, she does. And then the offspring, you're going to love this one, the offspring then has relations with the uh, woman, okay, who ends up uh, carrying uh, the third generation. But the offspring at the end, the male offspring, who seduces in effect his mother, okay, interesting, uh, is the one that is the ten-foot giant with wings, okay? A ten-foot giant. Yes. Yes. So now, so now you, de you definitely have a spirit of Nephilim that is operating, Absolutely. at least in this film interpretation. We're talking about right. modern incubus and succubus and Nephilim. Well, most you Americans think... Hey, Tom? Yeah, you better explain what incubus and succubus is, because most people don't understand that. Well, the, the, the male and female demons in uh, lore right. that would come to people at night and copulate with them. So right. um, 
and, 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 and there was also fables about the offspring of that copulation. And sometimes it includes, once again, giants. So there is a stream that is running deep in the psyche uh, of mankind and also within our history that tells us something happened once before, but now we're there again. And you and I have talked about the amazing parallels between what the Watchers did. We'll talk about this maybe um, later in this hour or in the next hour, the amazing parallels between what we are doing now and what those ancient uh, fallen be uh, 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 beings did. But Steve, most Americans would be absolutely amazed to learn that in preparation for this post-human revolution, the United States government itself, through the National Institutes of Health, which is the largest part of our government that makes grants and money available using U.S. tax dollars, in April 2006, granted Case Law School in Cleveland, Ohio, $773,000 of American taxpayers' money, guess what, to begin developing. I'm not making this up, but anybody that wants to Google this and read the press release from Case Law School for themselves can, to begin developing the actual guidelines that will be used for the next, for setting the policy, government policy, for the next step in human evolution, genetic enhancement. Maxwell Melhelm uh, is the professor of bioethics at Case Law School, or was then, of medicine. He led the team of law professors, physicians, bioethicists over the two-year project that ended in 2009. And I'll quote, I'll quote from their press release, this small section, to, quote, develop standards for tests on human subjects in research that involves the use of genetic technologies to enhance normal individuals, uh, end quote. Now, that is a direct quote from their own press release. Um, following that study in 2009, I can, I can uh, forward to people if they want it, Mel Helm began authoring two university lectures. In fact, you can go to Arizona State University and listen to these as, as uh, downloads. One of them is called Directed Evolution, Public Policy and Human Enhancement. And the second is called Transhumanism and the Future of Democracy. Because keep in mind, Melhelm is the uh, bioethicist from uh, Case Law School who was given the million dollar, nearly million dollar grant from the U.S. National Institute of Health to begin establishing what the policies, uh, legal policies will be to extend um, uh, uh, the constitutional and bill of rights protections to human, non-humans, enhanced humans. And immediately upon the conclusion of that study, they were supposed to publish, Steve, a report talking about how, how did they use human subjects, because that's what the money was given for. They actually used living human subjects for enhancement, genetic enhancement studies. Uh, they, uh, to this day, I have not seen any published report, but what I have saw is Melham out there now on the circuit going to the universities, giving these lectures directed evolution, public policy, and human enhancement, and transhuman in the future, uh, transhumanism in the future of democracy, where he is addressing the need. I've heard these lectures for society to comprehend how emerging fields of science are in approaching years going to alter what it means to be a human and what that means to democracy, individual rights, free will, eugenics, uh, equality. Um, I listened to part of one of his lectures today uh, on this very same thing, part of his transhumanism and the future of democracy, and he was saying that what scores of people are afraid of is directed germline genetic engineering, he says, where we are going to remove unwanted portions of DNA and add new segments of DNA to a sufficiently early form of human life so that the alterations that they create are going to be carried forward into preceding generations. Um, then he actually added cynically that, a uh, quote, for people who are worried about this, the worst case scenario is that the entire elimination 
of the human species could occur, in quotes. And he then goes on to describe uh, how that could happen in two ways. Number one, Steve, by the destruction of the species by genetic Armageddon. Sounds very much like a book you wrote. And secondly, the new species of transhuman or post-humans could become a superior hominid species that doesn't see the rest of us as valuable anymore and wipe out the normals. These are his words. And then he went on to proceed astonishingly, to argue why directed evolution of the species to post-human is necessary, forthcoming, and how the law is going to be written uh, to favor enhanced humans. Well, I believe that he's right. Unless there is a divine intervention, and God could do that, but if there's not, people had better realize that our own government is using U.S. taxpayers' dollars right now to actually set the policy for government guidelines that are going to be involved in, in, uh, in transhumanism. Other law schools, Stanford University, Oxford University, each of them now for the last few years are hosting at least one per year, some of them two per year, human enhancement and technology conferences where transhumanists, futurists, bioethicists, legal scholars, members of DARPA, the military, they're coming together and they're talking about what is the ethical, legal, and inevitable ramifications of post-humanity going to be. One of the university professors, and I do apologize, Steve, I've had this cold all week and it keeps making me want to cough, um, is, of course, the director of the Future of Humanity Institute, a professor of philosophy at Oxford University, Nick Bostrom. You're familiar with him, aren't you? Yes. And he is a, a leading advocate of transhumanism, but a very specific center of interest because he like the ancient watchers before him uh, watchers the fallen angels that mingled human DNA with animals and their seed to produce Nephilim he envisions remanufacturing humans with animals plants and other synthetic life forms through the use of modern sciences including uh, germline engineering recombinant DNA technology transgenics um, but one of the horrific realities about this science is very splice-like in that given that molecular biologists, they, they classify the functions of genes within their native species, but none of them know in almost all cases how the genes coding is going to react from one species to another. And therefore, they actually expect, that's where this splice movie is, is growing out of, this speculation, they expect the genetic structure of these modified animal humans is going to be changed in physical appearance, sensory modalities, disease propensity, prion contamination possibly, personality, behavior traits, maybe even gigantism, and more as a result of their modifications. And I took every one of those words out of their own documents, out of their own writings. Um, and you can sum it up. You can sum it up, Tom, by saying, "Hey, they're not only bringing back uh, the forbidden uh, technological processes that caused the uh, anger of God to rise up and destroy the world that was, but also the thing is, is that they're in our face. You see, this is the thing that you and I have to do. We have to, by the grace of God." articulate to the pastors in the pulpits that do not understand the war that's against them, the necessity of, of, of being able to deal, to be able to teach their flock this enhancement that, that's taking place. It is, again, it is the destruction of the seed of Adam, if that were left to be. Because, again, the thing is, is that it's like uh, uh, the Frankensteins or uh, Mary Shelley. The point is, is that there's so much behind them. Sue Bradley has done an amazing job on her investigation of that, but even the electromagnetic attenuation of time and space and the hyperdimensional realms of a multiverse, multi, multiple dimensions that we don't even know of, the thing that's amazing to me is, is that they're talking about using a strand of DNA, whether it's uh, animal or human or a composite, to, to be able to store, if you will, the entire Library of Congress. So I, I think that but people have got to understand, and I want to share something. This is Nobody else has talked about this, but I will. 
the book of Ezekiel in the 16th chapter even talks about the Egyptians. That, that if, if you know the story, the, the women of Israel went after the Egyptians because they were great of flesh. Well, what do you see on television night and day? Male enhancement, okay? Enhancement. That's the word I'm going after, okay? I'm not trying to be tacky. I'm not trying to, quote, get into the realms I shouldn't. But the point is, is that that it, it is, if you will, it's the order of the day. And, you know, it's interesting because if, if you notice, obviously, when we get into the alien part, well, we'll go into the next hour with that, but it's, isn't it amazing that uh, of all the abductions, of all the sexual, if you will, processes and extractions, that basically somebody with the technology of the stars has to come to planet Earth for a good time, you know? I mean, the right. point being is, is that it's in our face, it's in our literature, it's in our science, and what it's in your tax, uh, it's in your wallet, ladies and gentlemen, because you and I, we're paying for this stuff, and it doesn't even get into some of the things that we can go into in the next hour, because again, it all relates, it's all leading to the same thing. The end of man, the promise of the devil to his followers that ye shall live forever, that you'll be permanently and perpetually uh, pleased and indulgent, and that when you're basically anything wears out, we just install a new one. Composites, cyborgs with replaceable parts. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Well, how much time do we have before we go to break? I think we're just about there. I think we've got about a minute. So uh, is there anything you want to finish up in this? Because I want to get into UFOs in the next hour, if you would, because I think we've got to tie it together with, obviously, the advanced technology and the alien technology. And, and for, for the record, when I say aliens, I mean fallen angel technology right. that is being utilized by the governments. And, you know, it's interesting because when you and I talk about this stuff, the Pentagon's computers light up. I mean, right. it would be interesting to read out who's listening to us online right now yeah, after the show. But the issue is, is that these guys refer to all of the stuff we're talking about in the past as the gods of the Sumerians. Well, I think they should actually be more uh, intellectually honest and say this, the devils of the past, because the devils right. of the past are now, if you will, uh, the devils of the present. And I think that people have better get a grasp of this, because, as Jesus said, the thief comes to rob, to kill, and destroy. And that's what this is all about. Well, one thing, if I get a chance in the, in the next hour, just before we go into that, if I can make the case that this is now being considered by the highest levels of the Pentagon and the U.S. military as the next arms race, uh, I want to make that point and give people some information they can follow up on, and then we can go uh, into why would it be the next arms race? There's been for some time suspicion that we are talking about the exchange of technology with some unknown intelligence. The special 